There's drama in the first Champions League quarter-final as Paris Saint-Germain come from behind to break Atalanta hearts. Mbappe is in! And Choupo-Moting has won it for Paris Saint-Germain! In stoppage time at the end of the game to send Thomas Tuchel's side through to the Champions League semi-finals. You have to feel for Atalanta, who have led for so long, but now it is Paris who lead by two goals to one. Paris reached their first semi-final since 1995 after those two late goals. What a night! We'll bring you all the reaction from a remarkable game right here on Match Day Live. Welcome along to the official Champions League podcast. I'm Rob Daly. The quarterfinals kicked off in Lisbon with a brilliant match, which finished Atalanta 1, Paris Saint-Germain 2, just a few moments ago with both of the French side's goals scored in injury time, having been one down for most of the game. So Paris are the first team into next week's semi-finals, but only just. I'm joined by commentator for the game, Stephen Weiss. Stephen, loads to get into, but I need a three-word match report, as is tradition, before we get going. Devastating sucker punches. Certainly were late in the game. European football expert Andy Brassel is with me. Andy, Paris Saint-Germain just kept knocking on the door and got the job done. Yeah, they certainly did. They got there in the end. Uh, it took a few changes of approach on the way. But isn't it remarkable in that galaxy of superstars, this Eric Maxim Chupamoting, who was the man who changed the game. Uh, well, let's have a reminder of how this one unfolded in the first quarter final of the week. A remarkable occasion. Lisbon, the setting, of course, the free-flowing Atalanta and Paris Saint-Germain came to head, head, head to head at the Stadio de Asel Benfica. And it's found its way to Pasalic, who has curled in a beauty left-footed to give Atalanta the lead, a lead they deserve, and a goal of supreme quality by one of the outstanding contributors to their season. Mario Pasalic's 10th of the campaign is the opening goal in the UEFA Champions League quarter-final. Atalanta 1, Paris Saint-Germain 0. Chupo Motting clipping it in towards the back post. A space for Neymar, surely now! And yes, there is the equalising goal. And Marquinhos has stabbed it home. Salvation for Paris Saint-Germain. They looked down and out, but they have equalised to surely send this quarter-final to extra time. Mbappe is in, and Choupo-Moting has won it for Paris Saint-Germain. In stoppage time at the end of the game to send Thomas Tuchel's side through to the Champions League semi-finals. You have to feel for Atalanta, who have led for so long, but now it is Paris who lead by two goals to one. And that is the way it would stay. We can see Neymar pitch side currently at the Estadio de SL Benfica being interviewed by TV crews uh, after his key part, really, in helping Paris Saint-Germain turn this tie around. Stephen Wythen and Dandy Brassel with me. Stephen, I suppose, you know, the, the half-time Neymar was getting a bit of grief online for having missed those first half chances, but overall he was their most effective player. 
and he was key in the two goals in added time, keeping his cool when other players might have done something a bit more rash. Well, it turned into one of those nights where the, the little bits of quality, the, the standout players, delivered what was required. They weren't necessarily the players that scored the goals, but they were the ones that created the goals. Uh, Mbappe teeing up, uh, Chuba Motting from Neymar's pass to, to get the clincher, and Neymar heavily involved in Marquinhos' equaliser as well. And I think it was one of those nights, Rob, where, you know, I know sometimes the numbers don't tell you the true story of the game, but ultimately 61% in favour, possession in favour of Paris Saint-Germain, more shots on target, more attempts overall. Eventually, the sheer weight of numbers was in their favour, and those were the deciding factors. And I'm not really sure what was more remarkable, ultimately, Stephen, the fact that Atalanta were just devastated by those late sucker punches, as, as, you, as you called them, or that they actually managed to hold on that long. Um, because they were looking as if they were hanging on from about the hour mark. Um, I mean, and this is a level of competition they're not used to. We've talked about how they've established themselves at the top of the Italian game, how they've um, been brilliant. They've been the best side in Italy uh, since the resumption of, of, of football. Um, but they're just getting used to UEFA Champions League football. The, the good news for them is I don't think this is going to be their one chance. There will be people who are only just becoming familiar with Atalanta and think that this will be their only chance. I don't think it will be. I think this is a team that's got its way of playing under Giampiero Gasparini, that's in a position of strength that a lot of teams aren't uh, coming into the, the end of this unusual season. They'll be able to build on this, and I think they'll be back again and again. Yeah, and very often under these sorts of circumstances, the, the vultures would be circling, wouldn't they? The, the bigger mm. clubs to, to pick off the choicest morsels from a, a team of collective individuals who've punched above their weight. But you, you don't really feel that that will be the case with Atalanta because many of the players in their team are already very, very familiar to, to the bigger clubs, certainly in Italian football. And I think there is a, an understanding that it is what Gian Piero Gasparini has managed to do to bring all that together, to bring a ragtag mob together and, and get the very best out of them. It has that sort of feeling of money ball to a certain extent, doesn't it? Players that maybe haven't quite delivered in other places, but that Atalanta have, have seen a value in. And, and if, if it was only one season that they'd done it, you would say, OK, maybe a flash in the pan, but back-to-back -back third place finishes in Serie A, the scintillating football that they've played and the, the commitment they appear to have to each other. I think you might just be right. They'll be back in the UEFA Champions League next season and they will be worth keeping an eye on because, of course, let's remind ourselves, they were the last Italian team standing this season. The hopes of a nation won them tonight and they very nearly delivered. Uh, well, let's analyse how the game actually unfolded because I think we, we, we had the general content at half-time that Paris Saint-Germain, while having had chances, had struggled to deal with the intensity and the tacking nature of Atlanta and felt they certainly deserved their, their lead at half-time. But then we saw something from Atalanta to an extent they did sit back, which we don't really see too much of them. And I wonder if actually they struggled <laughs> to do that, Andy, because it isn't in their nature, because even when they looked relatively deep, Paris Saint-Germain was still getting in behind, that Mbappe was making those runs when he came on, Neymar was drifting into to great areas as well. I don't think it was a choice to sit. I think I was simply exhausted, uh, and, and that was something that really 
played more and more the game went on and I, I think when you look at the, the, the players who well I was going to say would have been heroes if Atalanta saw it, saw it over the line they're still heroes you know they got this club further than they could have possibly imagined at the start of the season but I think you look at Toloi you look at Palomino when they came on they were players who helped them hang on with some really terrific last ditch defending before they, they couldn't hold on anymore um, but yeah I, I don't think it was a, a choice for them not to carry on I, th I think as well another pivotal thing was the fact that they lost um, uh, they lost Papa Gomez before the hour yeah. because you can talk about your your centre forward being your out ball someone who can retain the ball someone who can preoccupy the opposition someone the opposition couldn't deal with you know they couldn't deal with Gomez in the same way that um, Atalanta were unable to deal with Neymar particularly in the first half so I think you know Malinowski is going to go on a bit become an absolutely fantastic player for them but he couldn't possibly be as influential as, as Papa Gomez and that really switched the momentum of the game I feel. And that bench Stephen I suppose that that's part of it as well we were, we were talking about the ability that Atlanta did off the bench and Luis Muriel offered something as well when he came on but uh, when you can bring on Kylian Mbappe, Leandro Paredes, Eric Maxim, Chupamurting and Draxler I think that's about 250 to 300 million euros worth of footballer there in terms of what mm. Paris Saint-Germain paid that that should, in theory, get you past a team like Atalanta. Yeah, once again, as discussed earlier, sheer weight of numbers in the end just benefited Paris to the extent where they were able to get the job done. I, I agree with Andy about the way that things unfolded tactically in that second half. I just wonder whether Atalanta might, when they get an opportunity to reflect, will regret the fact that they weren't able to, to keep going at Paris for a little bit longer in that second half because they were put on the back foot early on and they never really were able to, to get a grip on Paris after the break. If they'd been able to ask a few more questions for them a little bit longer, then Paris would have had less encouragement in terms of attacking. They would have had less dominance of the game in the second half. And yeah, Papu Gomez is such a difficult player to replace on the field in terms of of what he, he does, it, it, but they might they might reflect upon that. And when you've got a 32-year-old doing that job, that they weren't able to find somebody to, to replicate it, even if it was just for another five or ten minutes, because it could have made all the difference. Going into their shell is not something we've seen from them very often this season, certainly not since they galvanised themselves midway through the group stage of the UEFA Champions League. And they, they will have some regrets. There'll be an awful lot of pride. Atalanta and an awful lot to gain in terms of experience but I think they might just have the regrets of what might have been this evening. But I think as well we really have to respect um, what Paris Saint-Germain were able to do having played two competitive games since March if there was a team that was going to physically drop off you would have expected it to be them but actually they got more powerful as the game went on. Now we know they've got a lot of quality on the bench and as I said before I thought Thomas Tuchel played his cards absolutely superbly I think the Eric's Maxim Chupamoting uh, move for, for a start bringing him on for Icardi was something that would have attracted an enormous amount of criticism back home had it not come off and had they gone on to to lose that game and it was something that paid off spectacularly I thought bringing Paredes on to get the ball moving yeah. more fluidly mm -hmm. to find the passes that worked and you know if you think 
Idrissi Gueye had been one of their best players, I thought, up until that point. Um, the way that um, Mbappe played within himself, contributing whilst being a little bit on the side of caution, I thought was very, very good as well. So they did so much right. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain have never been criticised in this competition for a lack of quality. We know the quality players they've got, but what they showed tonight was a lot of guts and a lot of determination, and that's what will make them think they can go on and win the competition. And you know what, with Thomas Tuchel, we, we know he's a, a master tactician, but he was making great decisions in the white heat intensity of a big occasion tonight because you mentioned those substitutions, Andy. I don't think necessarily Leandro Paredes would have come on when he did if it wasn't for the concern over the goalkeeper, Kaylor Navas. Mm. They had to make that substitution then to give them another window of opportunity to make a change should Kaylor Navas fail to fully recover from the knock. And likewise, when they were forced to make that change in goal and bring on Sergio Rico, Thomas Tuchel was aware enough that this was his last opportunity to make a change up front. So he had to make the decision then to bring Chupo Moting on for Icardi because he couldn't have made that change later on in the 90 minutes. So he reacted really well to the situation, to the hand he was being dealt and got crucial players into critical areas of the field at a time which he might not might not necessarily have been of his choosing but that needed to be done there and then because they wouldn't have been able to happen otherwise. Yeah, it's a great point, Stephen. Let's actually hear from uh, the man you mentioned there, the match winner, Eric Maxim Chupamoting. It was a all in all a crazy game, a tough game, tough opponent and I think we showed um, such a good moral till the last second we, we believed in us. It wasn't easy because um, we had some good occasions. I think Ney did a, a, a great game, unbelievable game, but had some occasions. Unfortunately, unfortunately he didn't score. And uh, when I came on, I thought to myself, we can't lose. We can't go home like that. And yeah, I was confident in myself, confident in the team. And then the rest is a little history of Paris. Uh, the match winner, Maxim Chupamoting, he's right there, Andy, tr in truth. I mean, if they'd gone out like that, they would have, you know, faced the ire of their own supporters a little bit for scoring a very good chance to, to play in the semi-finals of this competition for the first time in 25 years. Yeah, they would have done. And you tend to think, don't, don't you, that it's the, it's the near misses that, that, that make you in a cup competition. And uh, look, they'll, they'll definitely feel that going forward. They're going to have a mighty hard task in, in the semi-final for, for a number of reasons. One, because I think that they had to really motor for the whole 90 minutes, um, which, which is a thing. Um, we don't know how fit Kylian Mbappe is going to be for that semi-final. They're going to face an absolutely huge opponent, whoever comes through in Leipzig or, or Atletico. But on the other hand, they're going to have Angel Di Maria back, which I think is a, a, an enormous plus. And maybe that will take a little bit of the pressure off Neymar as well. Question mark over Kaylor Navas as well. We wait and see how fit he would be uh, for a potential semi-final having come off. Uh, let's Focus on Atalanta briefly then. First of all, let's hear from their goal scorer, Mario Pasalic. Yeah, unlucky. We were so close. But it's Champions League, it's like this with a team like Paris, what the quality they have, especially in front, they can, uh, like, to, like tonight, they can score you two goals in two minutes. And uh, I'm so sorry for the for this team. We've done everything. I'm, I'm sorry for Begamo, for everybody, but 
it's like this. We have to learn and uh, to look uh, to look ahead, to look in the future, and uh, did uh, a little bit, do a little bit better next year. Mario Pashlic with his fine first half goal. It wasn't enough to put Atalanta into the semi-finals of the Champions League. Uh, Stephen White, how will their Champions League campaign uh, be remembered? I think pride will be the word that immediately springs to mind. I think pride in themselves, but also the pride they've given to a community that was given a chance to believe as something truly remarkable, bearing in mind they, they play in the shadow of the, the Milan Giants, AC and Inter, that suddenly they were feasting at the top table and, and going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the elite. I think also the, the strength in depth and the camaraderie they have as a, as a group of players to come from a situation where they lost their opening three games of the group stage to, to get a draw. The only, the only way that they could have got through after the first three and then drawing the fourth game was to win the final two. And that's what they did. Com you know, pretty well as well, pretty comfortably. And then the way they dismantled Valencia in the round of 16 will give them the belief that it's not just in Italy that they are able to compete, but in, in Europe as well. And they will be a, a very welcome presence in the UEFA Champions League again next season. And one that all of a sudden, if their name comes out of the hat and you're in a group with Atalanta, you, you won't be fancying that because you'll know, whoever you are, that you will be getting two very, very difficult games in the opening months of the season. Atalanta coach Giampiero Gasparini being interviewed uh, Pitch side now, uh, right now, he looks slightly shell-shocked by what has unfolded in Lisbon tonight. Let's hear from one of his players, the midfielder, Martin Daruna. If you're so close and, and then in the end you give it away, that, uh, that hurts even more because we could almost smell the semi-final, but I think this, this, this is the, yeah, for Paris, the beauty of football and for us, the, the hard through the football. I think we played a good first half where um, we made it difficult for Paris. Of course, we, we knew the strength of Paris and they have some unbelievable individual players and of course you suffer, but I think we, we played quite good. We tried to put some pressure. We had some, some small, small chances. Of course, they also had their chances, but uh, I think we played quite a good first half. And the second half, we, we went a little bit more back. We suffered. We, but yeah, I think that's the, that's the good thing to do against them, you know, that you, you have to defend, you have to go as a, as a team, you have to defend an 11. And yeah, we did it so well until this unfortunate moment at the last minute. They will be back in the Champions League next season, Atlanta, after finishing third in Syria over their 2019-20 continental campaign uh, comes to an end tonight. Uh, let's look ahead to Thursday's Champions League encounter, the winner of RB Leipzig against Atletico will take on Paris Saint-Germain in the semi-finals uh, next week. Of course, we have these one-legged um, encounters from the quarter-finals onwards. Andy, I'll start with you. I imagine you're shading Atletico for that one against RB Leipzig. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and um, it's not just because of how um, what, what an incredible record they've got in this competition uh, in the Diego Simeone era. Um, but I think it's the fact that Everything's changed for them, really, since Anfield. Uh, that was the result that, that built their season. Um, I think then it was very much a 50-50 whether this was going to be a successful season or a step backwards. We know that Atletico are, are rebuilding, but that's the moment, I think, at Anfield where 
the new players, and there's so many of new players, because such a high turnover in the in, in the squad this season and in the first eleven, the new players really understood for the first time what playing for Atletico was all about. They went through that experience, and it changed everything. It changed everything for uh, Marcos Llorente, of course, as someone who was brought to the club as a, a 40 million euro defensive midfielder who couldn't get in the team, and then was thrown on to sort of stem this flow of Liverpool attacking from everywhere and bizarrely ends up scoring two goals yeah. that, that, that get them in the next round. And since then, Simeone's thought, well, OK, I'll, I'll use him as something a bit different, which I think shows that not only of Atletico turned a corner, but Simeone's thinking outside the box a little bit as well, which is interesting. Since early Feb, they haven't lost. I don't think they certainly mm -hmm. didn't lose in La Liga. They drew too many games, in truth, to be close to Real Madrid and Barcelona above them in the league table. No Correa, no Vesalco. Vesalco was injured anyway, but tested positive for COVID-19, as did Angel Correa, and both players being uh, kept away from the squad. They haven't made any changes to their Champions League squad, like many clubs have done uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, what do you reckon, Stephen? Would you be having Atletico here as well, especially given their now in this competition and the fact that they, they have competed in finals? Yeah, experience heavily in their favour. And as you were just saying about them and their, their draws this season, not enough wins. That was true too of RB Leipzig in the, the closing stages yeah. either side of the, the break in the Bundesliga. They only won, I think, four of their final 11, only four wins from February onwards in the, in the in Bundesliga. January, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Considering yeah. they were in the title race at that point. They, 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 yeah, they only lost one of those games, but, but draws in the Bundesliga in particular are so costly because it's an 18-team division that if you're going to survive at the bottom or if you're going to win the title at the top, draws are, are so, so damaging and, and RB Leipzig just have way, way too many of them in the, in the run into the end of the campaign. And that probably offers a clue as to how things are going to go for them in the, in the quarterfinal against Atletico. Their squad is in relatively good shape, RB Leipzig, but there will be no Timo Werner now Chelsea player. Their top scorer, I think, got 30 goals this season. Um, already training with the team in West London. But Leipzig Swedish winger Emil Forsberg has given his verdict on Atletico. They have a fantastic trainer who knows how to play in this kind of games and they have a lot of experience in this kind of games. I think they've been in, into the final, the semi-finals almost every year. Uh, and they have a team with a lot of players who's been playing these games and know how, how it is and they can play from that. And it's a compact team with a 4-4-2 with players who, who are ready to die for it. And we have to be ready for that. And uh, we have to be ready for some uh, Tricky stuff also to get us out of balance and uh, hopefully we're ready for it. We've been talking about it already. So it's a great team uh, with a lot of experience and uh, who has been playing this kind of game. So they know what's happening, but it's only one game. So we have to we have to understand that and, uh, and, and also understand how big chances are that we can go through if we do, if we play the right game, if we do, do the right things, because we are we are a great team and we deserve to to, to, to be where we are right now. So we have to use that. We have to be brave and also have fun at the same, same time. They certainly did all of that in their dismantling Spurs in the round of 16. 1-0 winners away in London, 3-0 at home in the east of Germany. It is their first time in the Champions League knockouts and only their second Champions League campaign ever. Their third 
in Europe. Emil Forsberg speaking there. Four goals for him in the Champions League this season. Can he help upset Atletico uh, in the last state? Let's have a quick word on the other two um, quarterfinals as it's the start of the match day in essence. Uh, Barcelona, Bayern, Stephen Wyeth, tie of the round, you'd argue. Oh, I don't think there's an argument. I think it is, Rob. <laughs> if, if, somebody, if somebody it. wants to argue it with me, they can, but they won't win that argument. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think even though they are two absolute behemoths of European football, I think, amazingly, Bayern are, are the overwhelming favourites, not just to win that game, but to, but to win the UEFA Champions League this season. I would expect them to prevail, whether it was being played over uh, one leg, two legs or 14 legs, quite frankly. Yes, and um, Bayern are just fearsome at the moment. How good they've been under Hansi Flick is absolutely extraordinary. And uh, they, they've been peerless. And bear in mind they were seventh in the Bundesliga in November when he took over. And now they're on the back of 18 successive wins, double winners, and I think already at the quarterfinal stage, you can say, closer than they've been since 2013 to uh, getting that treble yeah. over the line. But there's Messi, isn't there? There is Messi, who was pretty good uh, the other night in the win over Napoli. Uh, so we'll have coverage of that game for you, of course, on Match Day Live on Friday night, along with Manchester City, uh, Lyon. Andy, you cover a lot of uh, French football, of course. What gives you hope that Lyon could cause an upset and knock out City? Uh, well, I think they were excellent against Juventus, excellently well organised in, in, in both of those games. Um, they've looked in much better physical shape than you would expect after having not played from March, just as we were saying about Paris Saint-Germain earlier tonight. Um, they've got options off the bench. Uh, you look at Jeffrey Adelaide, who was able to come on. Um, Back from injury. Uh, Moussa, Moussa Dembele, who was able to come on in, in, in Turin. Uh, so they do have options. Uh, they've got a great midfield now with the emergence of young Maxence Kakare and the arrival of uh, Bruno Guimaraes. But make no mistake about it, even though they got four points from Manchester City in the Champions League last season and deserve to get all six. Um, the, the fact is that City have worked on what they are in Europe, pretty much like Tottenham did uh, under Pochettino. And um, I think the way they managed that tie against Real Madrid was absolutely expert. It's, it's changed the way I think about them. A lot of people in England have thought, based on their Premier League form, that for a long time that, that they should be favourites. Well, now the rest of Europe has started to believe in Manchester City. OK, well, let's uh, turn our attention back to uh, the result from tonight. Atalanta 1, Paris Saint-Germain 2. If you turned off your radio or your TV with five minutes to go, you would have missed absolutely everything because from Marquinhos and Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting tonight in added time have put the French champions into the last four for the first time uh, in quite some time. Uh, Stephen Wyeth, we can see Thomas Tuchel now being interviewed pitch side, sat on his ice box <laughs> uh, once again. He looks absolutely delighted. Who was his star performer, do you think, uh, this evening in Lisbon? I knew you were going to ask me that and I was thinking about it. I don't <laughs> think he necessarily had one, but what he did have was the strength in depth and the quality from the bench and he will be mightily relieved that Kylian Mbappe was able to get onto the field for long enough to provide that spark and influence that saw them go rapidly from 1-0 down in the 90th minute to winning 2-0 in stoppage time and yeah it's he, he'll just be pleased that he had those players at his disposal because in the end individual moments of class out, won over against that collective brilliance of Atalanta. And Andy, was this a, a result of any kind that really told us that Paris Saint-Germain do have the metal 
about them to go on and win the Champions League this season. That's what they've always been accused of lacking in the UEFA Champions League, and they showed it in abundance tonight. Neymar is so often lauded for his talent, but not enough for his perseverance. He certainly showed that tonight. Was he your man of the match, Andy? Uh, he would be if it hadn't have been for Eric Maxson. <laughs> you, you've got to give it to him. His players jumping on his back while he was doing his uh, TV interview uh, a few moments ago. He is the hero for Paris Saint-Germain tonight. That is all for now. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder to download our review podcast shortly after every single Champions League match night. You can also listen to us live every night at the competition, this mini competition at 8 o'clock in the evening, Central European time on the official Champions League app on UEFA.com and on Sirius XM FC. So make sure you join us on Thursday for uninterrupted commentary of the second quarterfinal. Leipzig versus Atletico. The winner will face Paris Saint-Germain in Lisbon. But for now, from myself, Rob Daly, and the rest of the Matchday Live team, it's goodbye. Mbappe is in, and Chupamotting has won it for Paris Saint-Germain. In stoppage time at the end of the game to send Thomas Tuchel's side through to the Champions League semi-finals. You've been listening to UEFA Champions League Matchday Live.